Today we meet in the book of Psalm, and it is an introduction to this wonderful poetical book, the book of Psalm. Jesus said that the greatest of the commandments was to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. That is according to Matthew 22, verse 37 to verse 38. The Psalms help us love him with our hearts by giving voice to the deepest thoughts and emotions of the human spirit. This book called the Psalm contains 150 songs of praise which express virtually every sort of feeling and attitude that people can have toward life, from dark depressions to exuberant joy. Thus, they invite us to open up to God. It is no wonder that the book of Psalms has been the prayer book and hymnal for countless generations of God's people. The Psalms appeal to our emotions and intuition, not just our intellect and logic, treating the subtleties of life that are more easily expressed than explained. Now, as you enter into Psalm, Try reading them aloud. Let them give voice to your spirit as you lift up your heart to God. Now, the title of the psalm in Hebrew means praises or book of praises. The title in the Greek suggests the idea of an instrumental accompaniment. Our title comes from the Greek word psalmos. It is the book of worship. It is the hymn book of the temple, Salmos. Now, many writers contributed one or more psalms. David, the sweetest psalmist of Israel, has 73 psalms assigned to him. And Psalm 2 is ascribed to him in Acts chapter 4 verse 25. Psalm 95 is ascribed to him in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. Also, he could be the author of some of the Ophanic Psalms. He was peculiarly endowed to write these songs from experience as well as special aptitude. He arranged those in existence in his day for temple use. The other writers are as follows. Moses actually wrote one, which is Psalm 90. Solomon wrote two. Then the sons of Korah wrote 11. Then Asaph wrote 12. Haman wrote 1, which is Psalm 88. Ethan wrote 1, Psalm 89. Hezekiah wrote 10. Then the Ophanic Psalms are 39. Well, David may be the writer of some of those. In the Psalms, Christ the Messiah is prominent throughout. The King and the Kingdom are the theme songs of the Psalms. The key word in the book of Psalms is hallelujah, that is praise the Lord. This phrase has become a cliche, but it is one that should cause a swelling of great emotion in the soul. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Psalm 50 and 150 I consider to be key psalms. Psalm 50 is a psalm of Asaph, probably tells more than any other. Psalm 150 is the hallelujah chorus. The word hallelujah occurs 13 times 
in its six brief verses. Psalm 50 has only six verses. Now, it concludes the book of Psalms and would be considered to be the chorus of all the Psalms, the crescendo of all the Psalms. The Psalms record deep emotion, intense feeling, exalted emotion, and dark dejection. They play upon the keyboard of the human soul with all the stops pulled out. Very truthfully, I feel overwhelmed when I come to this marvelous book. It is located in the very center of the Word of God. Psalm 119 is in the very center of the Word of God, and it exalts His Word. That's the center of it. This book has blessed the hearts of multitudes down through the centuries, down through the ages. You may be sick at home, or you may be in hospital, you may be in prison, you may be in some difficulty. When some problem is pressing upon your mind and heart, you can find comfort by turning to the Psalms. They have always blessed my heart and life. Apparently, down through the ages, it has been that way. It said of Ambrose, one of the greatest saints of the church, he said, the Psalms are the voices of the church. Augustine, the theologian, said they are the epitome of the whole scripture. Martin Luther said they are a little book for all saints. John Calvin said they are the anatomy of all parts of the soul. Well, I like that. You could say something else. The saints have always found comfort in the word of God. In fact, the Psalms, they come to you just as life comes to you. In every situation, they minister. Psalms is the only book which contains every experience of a human being. The Psalms run the psychological gamut. Every thought, every impulse, every emotion that sweeps over the soul is recorded in this book. That is the reason I suppose that it always speaks to our hearts and finds a responsive chord wherever we turn. Hooker said of the Psalms, they are the choice and flower of all things profitable in other books. Don puts it this way, the Psalms foretell what I, what any, shall do and suffer and say. And someone called the Psalms a hymn book for all time. You see, they are the thousand-voiced heart of the church. You see, the place Psalms have held in the lives of God's people testifies to their universality, although they have a peculiar Jewish application. But now from west to east, from north to south, the Psalms have ministered to everyone, regardless of their race, regardless of their culture. The Psalms express the deep feeling of all believing hearts in all generations, in all spheres, in all nations. The Psalms are full of Christ, by the way. That is an important point to highlight. There is a more complete picture of Christ in the Psalms than even in the Gospels. The Gospels tell us 
that he went to the mountain to pray. But the Psalms give us his prayer. The Gospels tell us that he was crucified. But the Psalms tell us what went on in his own heart during the crucifixion. The Gospels tell us he went back to heaven. But the Psalms begin where the Gospel leave off and show us Christ seated in heaven. Christ the Messiah is prominent through this book. You will remember that the Lord Jesus, when he appeared after his resurrection to those who were his own, he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. That is, Christ is in the Psalms. We read this from Luke chapter 24 verse 44. So Christ is the subject of the Psalms, and I think he is the object of praise in every one of those Psalms. Although all of the Psalms have Christ as the object of worship, some are technically called Messianic Psalms. These record the birth, the life, death and resurrection, glory, priesthood, kinship and return of Christ. There are 16 messianic psalms that speak specifically about Christ. But as I have already said, all 150 of them are all about Christ. The book of Psalms is a hymn book and a hymn book, H-I-M. It is all about him, Christ. As we studied, the fact will become very clear. And indeed, this is a wonderful journey, discovering the Christ who is embodied in this book of praise. And I would like to challenge even the songwriters, those who are into music, to say, let the songs be about him. Look into the Psalms and you see how Christocentric the Psalms are. In a more restrictive sense, the Psalms deal with Christ belonging to Israel and Israel belonging to Christ. Both themes are connected to the rebellion of man. There is no blessing on this earth until Israel and Christ are brought together. The Psalms are Jewish in expectation and hope. They are songs which are adapted to temple worship. That does not mean, however, that they do not have a spiritual application and interpretation for us today. They certainly do. I probably tend to them more often than any other portion of the scripture in the word of God, you see. But when I tend there, the word of God ministers to me. So it certainly has application. But we need also to be a little more exacting in our interpretation of the Psalms to know that they actually belong to Israel. For example, God is not spoken of as father in the Psalms. The saints are not called sons. In some, he is God the Father, not Father God. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit and the blessed hope of the New Testament are not in this book. Now, failure to recognize this has led many people astray in their interpretation, especially of Psalm chapter 2. The reference in this song 
is not to the rapture of the church, but to the second coming of Christ to the earth to establish his kingdom and reign in Jerusalem, which is the holy hill of Zion. Now, the imprecatory psalm have caused the most criticism because of their vindictiveness and prayers for judgment. These psalms come from a time of war and from a people who, under law, were looking for justice and peace on earth. Now, my friend, you cannot have peace without putting down unrighteousness and rebellion. And apparently God intends to do just that. And he makes no apology for it. In his own time, he will move in judgment upon this earth. In the New Testament, the Christian is told to love his enemies. And it may startle you to read the prayers in the Psalms that say some very harsh things about the enemy. But judgment is to bring justice upon this earth. Also, there are Psalms that anticipate the period when Antichrist will be in power. We have no reasonable basis to dictate how people should act or what they should pray under such circumstances. Other types of psalms include the penitential historic nature, pilgrim, hallel, missionary, puritan, acrostic, and praise of God. This is a rich section we are coming to. We are going to mine for gold and diamonds, and that is what we find in this book, my friend. The book of Psalm is not arranged in a haphazard sort of way. No, no, no. Some people seem to think that the Psalms were dropped into a tub, shaken up, then put together with no arrangement. No, that's not the order. It is interesting to note that one Psalm will state a principle. Then they will follow several Psalms that will be explanatory. For example, Psalms 1 to Psalm 80 are an example of this. The book of Psalms is actually arranged in an orderly manner. In fact, it has been noted for years that the book of Psalms is arranged and corresponds to the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And these sections form the five sections of the Psalms as you will see even in the outline that I am going to give later on. See, the correspondence between the Psalms and the Pentateuch is easily seen. For instance, in the Genesis section of the Psalm, you will see the perfect man in a state of blessedness, as in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. Next, you will have the four and the recovery of men in view. Some two pictures the rebellious man, and indicating the fall of man. Some three is the perfect man rejected. Of course, that is the rejection. Some four, we see the conflict between the seed of the woman and the serpent. In some five, we find the perfect man in the midst of his enemies. Some six, presents the perfect man in the midst of chastisement with the bruising of his head. In Psalm 7, we see the perfect man in the midst of false witnesses. Finally, in Psalm 8, 
we see the salvation of men coming through the bruising of the head. In Psalm 9 to Psalm 15, we see a different section and we see the enemy and the Antichrist conflict and the final deliverance. Then in Psalm 16 to Psalm 14, we see Christ in the midst of his people sanctifying them to God. All of this will be seen as we go through the book of Psalm. Spurgeon said, the book of Psalm instructs us in the use of wings as well as words. It sets us both mounting and singing. You see, this is the book that may make a skylark out of you instead of some other kind of a bird. This book has been called the epitome and the analogy of the soul. It has also been designated as the garden of the scriptures. Out of 219 quotations of the Old Testament in the New Testament, 116 of them are from the Psalms. That indeed is the garden of the scriptures. You will see 150 spiritual songs, which undoubtedly at one time were all set to music. This is a book which ought to make our hearts sing, and I hope we will sing along as we go through this book. Now here is Dr. McGee's suggested outline of the book of Psalms. And again, it is divided into five divisions which follow the Pentateuch pattern. So there is the Genesis section, Psalm 1 to Psalm 41, and then there is the Exodus section, Psalm 42 to Psalm 72, the Leviticus section, Psalm 73 to Psalm 89, then the Numbers section, Psalm 90 to Psalm 106, then the Deuteronomy section, Psalm 107 to Psalm 150. Now let me look at this outline in detail. The Genesis section what is the main picture? Is man is seen in a state of blessedness. We also see the fall and the recovery of man in this section. Part A is the perfect man who is the last Adam is seen in Psalm 1. Then the rebellious man in Psalm 2. The perfect man rejected in Psalm 3. Conflict between the seed of the woman and the serpent, Psalm 4. Perfect man in the midst of enemies, Psalm 5. Perfect man in the midst of chastisement, uh, Psalm 6. Perfect man in the midst of false witnesses, Psalm 7. Then repair of man comes through man, Psalm 8. Enemy and Antichrist conflict, final deliverance, Psalm 9 to Psalm 15. Christ in the midst of his people, sanctifying them to God. Psalms 16 to Psalm 41. The Exodus section, what is prominent is ruin and redemption. And what is in view here, it's Israel that's in view. In Genesis section, it's men in view. Now in the Exodus section, it's Israel in view. So, Israel's ruin is in Psalm 42 to Psalm 49. Israel's redeemer, Psalm 50 to Psalm 60. Israel's redemption, Psalm 61 to Psalm 72.
Then the Leviticus section is Psalm 73 to Psalm 89. Uh, what is in view here is the sanctuary that is in view. Um, Levites, you see, the work in the temple. And so we see darkness and dawn. The tabernacle, temple, house, assembly, and the congregation in almost every psalm. Uh, that section of the psalms and the majority of them written by Asaph. Then the numbers section is Psalm 90 to Psalm 106. And here what is in view is now the earth that is in view. And we are talking about peril and protection. Then finally, the Deuteronomical section, which is Psalm 107 to Psalm 150, is the perfection and the praise of the Word of God. The perfection and the praise of the Word of God. That's the outline, and it is a wonderful one. It promises us a, a journey that will experience more focus on the word of God, but allowing us to express our deep-seated emotions to God, the God who is there, the God who listens, the God who hurts even when we are hurting. While there are several kinds of psalms expressing different feelings and circumstances, the common theme is worship. God is worthy of all praise because of who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. His goodness extends through all time and eternity. So the Psalms presents a very personal response to the person and work of God as they reflect on his program for his people. There is a keen desire to see his program fulfilled and his name exalted. Many of the Psalms survey the word of God and the attributes of God, especially during difficult times. This kind of faith produces confidence in God's power in spite of circumstances. Indeed, they minister to all situations of life. My prayer is that they do so as we journey through this song book of praise. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.